I'm Sean Eckford, and this is Coast Reporter Radio, your audio companion to the Coast Reporter, newspaper of record for British Columbia's lower Sunshine Coast. The final count is done, and the NDP's Nicholas Simons has been confirmed as MLA-elect for Powell River Sunshine Coast, with a slightly bigger margin than he had election night. Nicholas Simons will soon be sworn in for a fifth term as the NDP MLA for Powell River Sunshine Coast. And the final vote count showed Simons widening his lead to finish with 12,701 votes, or 50.9% of the ballots cast. Simons captured 50.7% of the vote in 2017. Green candidate Kim Darwin finished with 8,104 votes, a significant increase over her 2017 performance, and Sandra Stoddard Hansen of the BC Liberals finished with 16.7% of the vote for a total of 4,156. We caught up with MLA-elect Simons on Monday. So, Nicholas, the uh, the final count is now done, and uh, the the overall trend from election night has held, and you are now our uh, MLA elect for the fifth time running. Um, is the reaction any different, or is this just a confirmation of what you already pretty much knew in your heart election night? Well, I think for this riding, it was fairly clear that the numbers weren't going to change significantly. Uh, in order to change the order of the votes. But, uh, you know, the trend actually changed a little bit. I think that the New Democratic Party uh, saw their votes increase with the advanced voting and the absentee ballots. And in my case, I was pleased to see that it actually put me over the percentage that I had last election, which is sort of uh, something that I'm pleased about. Not that it's significant in uh, other people's minds, but, you know, it's nice to be able to to say that uh, that the support I had last in 2017 um, pretty much held, which was I'm glad about because there are a lot of issues that we need to continue to work on that have been controversial, that have been challenging for us on the Sunshine Coast, and uh, you know, this gives me more uh, an opportunity just to continue to work on those issues. Yeah, my my rough math says in terms of the the ballots that were counted on the final count, about 56 percent uh, went. NDP. So yeah, that is uh, that's about six percent bigger margin than in the in the earlier vote count. Yeah, that's right. And you see other other ridings that uh, you know people who were projected to win actually ended up it being close, like West Vancouver Sea to Sky and uh, Vernon Monashie, which has gone to the New Democrats. And yeah, it's an interesting. It's been an interesting election. We've never seen so many uh, advanced ballots cast. So it did have an impact on quite a few ridings. I wanted to ask just one other question about, about the mechanics, because the other number that, that we've noted, although it is lower than last time, our turnout still seems to have been quite a bit healthier than the provincial average. I, I rough it out at around 60%. Did that surprise you, given the, 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 the differences in how the election was, was conducted this time, that the, the Powell River Sunshine Coast still had a fairly strong turnout. You know, uh, the Sunshine Coast usually has a turnout in the top 10 out of the 87 ridings, and uh, I, my calculations were the same, that we had about uh, 60%, 
and um, the ridings that had the largest percentage turnout in the past all dropped about six or eight percent. So, you know, Spanish North and the Islands had a turnout last time of 75 percent, and this time it was 68 percent. I just did some calculations myself because I was interested in that as well, and uh, I'm I'm actually quite glad to see that the uh, the the fear around that was sort of created around is it safe to vote that wasn't something that uh, people really bought into people decided that it was an important part of the democratic system and they got their votes ahead of time and many of them sent them in so to the politics of everything you now know you are going to be our MLA. You know you will be sitting in the benches of a majority government this time around, an experience that must be new to you. So, uh, you know, what, what, you've, you've had the experience of being in, in the minority position. You're now yeah. going into a majority government. How, how do you think that is, in fact, going to, going to make things different? It's going to be like every time we have an election, we go into the into the chamber and we look at the seating arrangements and realize that, you know, for the most part in my career, there have been more of them than us. Even when we were in the minority government, there were more of them than us. And uh, so it's going to be a new experience to be in the House with 57 on my team and uh, some 27 or so on their team. And uh, I'm looking forward to... to seeing what the dynamics are going to be. And I'm also, of course, hoping that we'll be able to meet in person. The chamber is different when it's, you know, three-quarters empty. So it's a new experience for me. I'm looking forward to seeing, um, you know, making sure that we can continue just doing the things that I think British Columbians need us to do right now, and that manage the the health crises and uh, ensure that our economies stay you know, strong enough so that the recovery won't be as challenging as it will be in other places. Does it also give you a little more confidence that, uh, you know, on, on certain issues where you couldn't maybe um, get a change in direction, a, a change in policy because of the overall political dynamic, that if you're now uh, part of a majority government, it might be a little easier to talk to a minister or or talk to the premier and say, you know, this is something the Sunshine Coast really needs, and those wheels might turn a little more smoothly than they would when everyone has to look over their shoulder worried about a confidence vote. Right. Well, I think, um, you know, as much as it's, it remains as important as ever to ensure that the policies and the programs that we put in place are in the best interest of British Columbians, I'm, you know, I think it's important to have a strong opposition. Uh, we we didn't have a very strong opposition when there were a lot of them on the uh, opposition benches. I'm hoping that that uh, our system is robust enough to be able to, you know, hear hear policies debated, you know, with vigor. And that's that's an important part of the process. But at the same time, you know, the the cabinet will be able to make decisions without concern about, you know, making arrangements with other parties for support and what have you. you know, so there's a positive aspect to that as well. Uh, but I do think that we're going to, you know, continue to govern with, uh, with care and attention to evidence. And we've done a good job so far, and I think that's just going to continue. 
During the minority government, you had a, a pretty good relationship with your Green colleagues, uh, Sonia Furstenau and, and Adam Olson. You brought them on a visit over to the coast. You represent ridings with very similar uh, concerns. Do you expect that uh, to continue now that we know for sure they'll both uh, be taking up their seats again? Yeah, Adam and, Adam and Sonia both uh, were our colleagues of mine, and I consider them, you know, friends who are able to you know, share their perspectives on politics with me. And uh, I don't see any change, really, in the way we interact with each other. I've always maintained friendships with uh, members of the opposition as well. And that's going to continue. I hope that, uh, I hope that the, the, temper, no, the, the temperament of the chamber is one that's productive. You know, people want to see us working together when possible. But at the same time, our system is designed to ensure that all our decisions are scrutinized uh, and uh, and are un under undergo you know careful consideration. So there will be camaraderie uh, between party members, but there will be good political debate as well. So, what are your top priorities heading into your fifth term? Well, you know that that's. Uh, for, for me, for the Sunshine Coast, is to make sure that we uh, we can con continue to get the the services, and the programs, and the infrastructure that our communities need. Clearly, during the election campaign, people were uh, thinking about ferries and transportation issues quite a bit. I heard a lot about uh, old growth and about the need to protect some of our beautiful natural assets, not just for environmental reasons, but for culture and tourism reasons as well. I think that our, we have to redouble our efforts to address the opioid crisis and find new ways of making sure that people are not put in harm's way. And I think that uh, the, the process of uh, strengthening our child welfare system, strength, strengthening our, uh, our court system, police accountability, those are all issues that are of interest to me and are are going to be on my agenda but you know we'll still continue to respond to community members who have their own specific concerns around provincial policy and we've focused a lot on that in the last 15 years and I, I don't see that changing that much. You mentioned uh, police accountability and of course you were um, chairing a committee that was looking at, at reforms to the Police Act and um, Geez, you'd think I'd know the answer to this after having covered legislatures and parliaments forever. But d does that committee, uh, do you know, continue yeah. now? Does it get reformed well, and carry on? I'm quite certain that uh, the Premier intends to get the answers that we were starting to look for prior to the election. How that committee is restructured, it's considered sort of dormant. Actually, it doesn't actually exist right now. So it'll be likely revived. Uh, and the process of speaking to experts and stakeholders, as we call them, and community members will continue, and I'm quite certain that the Police Act reform will be part of the agenda of the new government. Now, at one of the all-candidates meetings during the campaign, someone actually asked you, golly, Nicholas, why aren't you in Cabinet? <laughs> And <laughs> we, 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 we know uh, that no matter what, there will have to be some new faces at the cabinet table because of your colleagues who chose not to run. Uh, have you had any hints or suggestions from the Premier about what the makeup of the cabinet might be and when we might know? 
Well, that hasn't been decided yet. So uh, the premier and his his uh, close assistants will be will be determining those roles that we all 57 of us are going to take up. I certainly have always said that my goal to, in entering politics was to be able to influence government policy. And uh, so I look forward to influencing government policy as an MLA in a majority uh, government caucus. And whatever role the Premier decides to, to give me, and I'd be, uh, I'd be pleased to, to fulfill my role as an elected member from here. We talked about it a little bit on uh, election night, and you had mentioned that you, you know, old growth forest, for instance, was uh, uh, an issue that had came up during the campaign. But I think there's there's no denying that uh, uh, the Green Party here in this riding has also shown a a, a um, improvement in its performance and and more strength than it did in uh, in 2017. What what do you take away from that? Yeah, well. I don't ever remember the the liberal vote going down to below 17%. I mean that that's unheard of. So my feeling is that a lot of the disaffected uh liberals um have put their votes with the Green Party if they're not likely to vote for the new Democrats. Um the Green Party on the Sunshine Coast has been has been around for a long time. In fact, my first election in 2005 was against the Green Party leader. And so there's always been a strong awareness of environmental issues, of issues of concern around forestry, around fisheries, around natural resources that uh, have influenced me as well in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm a resident here too, and my friends and uh, are all interested in similar issues. Uh, so I... I've always been open to hearing perspectives from different political parties, and I think that the issue around protecting forests and making sure we manage our forests in a way that uh, serves the public interest, I think, is the key issue here. The government did uh, issue a report on old growth back in, uh, I think it was in August, and the recommendations that were included are those that I think the province is going to continue working towards. So, yeah, the, the issues are broad and they affect, you know, pe- people on the Sunshine Coast and any decisions that we make around those issues have to be well considered. Have you had a chance to uh, uh, talk to Green candidate Kim Darwin since the results became final? We had a brief chat the day after election day, but I haven't heard from her since. But I, I'm expecting that uh, sh- she recognizes that the votes aren't being counted anymore. And uh, I thank her and Sandra, Sandra for their for their campaign. And I think on the Sunshine Coast, we campaign in a way that you know we're we're always civil and respectful, and because you never know when you're going to run into them on the ferry or in the grocery store. That's just the way we conduct things on the Sunshine Coast, from my experience. And you never know when you're going to be part of a human pyramid with the vice president-elect of the United States. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to finish by asking you about the picture. People will have seen it on social media, but, but uh, yeah, t- tell me a little bit more about the background. What, what's going well, on there? Yeah, I was. Uh, I that's that picture is taken on the university campus at McGill. My high school was across the street from McGill, and we had a concrete playground, so we'd always go over to the field, and we just hang around over there during our lunch hour or during recess, and uh, 
the vice president-elect was in my class in grade seven. Actually, she was in my gr grade in grade seven, but we didn't, my, my alternative school uh, had a different way of uh, uh, arranging things. And so she might have been my age, but we were in different classes because we had kids of all, cl all grades in our classes. But uh, we did, we did um, some musical productions together. I don't have any memories that stand out, unfortunately, because it would be fun to be able to share those. Uh, however, yeah, it's uh, kind of a fun little triv trivia point. <laughs> so, of course, I'm, I'm always looking for the camera angle myself. So, Yeah, I was going to say, and people looking at the photo wondering which one's Nicholas, that, that's yeah. you peeking out from behind the pyramid, right? That's right. That's right. I had to make sure that the camera, camera could get... <laughs> I wish I could remember that exact situation, but uh, quite a few of those uh, people in that photograph are, you know, I, I still keep touch in touch with, and it's sort of nice to look back and remember the remember elementary school and the people that we shared a bit of time with. So the premier may call on you to help fix the softwood lumber issues between us and the states, given that uh, you have photographic evidence now. <laughs> yeah. I'm always interested in conflict resolution, so any role like that would be fun. All righty, Nicholas, that's where we'll wrap it up. I appreciate this as always. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Sean. Since we recorded that interview, there's been ongoing confusion and a bit of back and forth over the latest order from Dr. Bonnie Henry, requiring people and businesses in the Vancouver Coastal Health and Fraser Health regions to, quote, significantly reduce their level of social interactions and travel. The first version of the order had the Sunshine Coast as exempt. That was quickly changed, and now only the Central Coast and Bellacoola Valley are excluded from the order. Health Ministry officials told us that those two areas are, and again I'm quoting, geographically quite different in terms of where people travel back and forth and their interactions with healthcare services. They are more closely aligned to some of the lower-risk areas in the province right now, such as interior health. Based on travel and healthcare access, Powell River and the Sunshine Coast regions are included. Powell River Mayor Dave Formosa doesn't agree with that reasoning and wants the upper Sunshine Coast excluded. He told CBC Radio this week he's got Simon's backing. I asked Simon's about it during Eastlink Community TV's parliamentary talkback segment. First of all, um, have you heard similar requests from uh, the southern part of the riding, our local leaders here? And secondly, uh, does it look like Power River will be excluded if this order goes on for much longer? I haven't heard any request from any of the local leaders on the lower Sunshine Coast. Um, on the upper Sunshine Coast, I think primarily because of the relationship with the island, um, all the sports teams are in island leagues and much of the economic and cultural interaction is between Powell River and the island. And there seems, you know, this, is, this isn't an effort to lobby health officials. It's to point out what may be characteristics that could be contemplated when decisions are made. Because we have to face the, like, we, we want to make sure that we don't restrict more than we have to, but but we do that on our own. Uh, and I think uh, it's fair to ask those questions of government and it's fair to get uh, explanations which are completely accepted. You know, the, 
compliance or what, however you want to call our adherence to the orders is good. And that's not going to change. It's just a question of making sure that the unique geography of a region is, um, is taken into account. I think it didn't, um, it wasn't necessarily uh, prompted by this, but the first website announcement about the restrictions did have Powell River uh, ex or, um, exempted from the new orders. So perhaps that, uh, that got that ball rolling. But I, I just want to say, I think that uh, the, the, the request is one that's a fair request. If, and there's no effort to try to change or lobby any from any health officials about the decisions that they make. We've got a link to the latest updates to the health order in our show notes. That's it for Coast Reporter Radio, episode 200. You can stream Coast Reporter Radio from the audio page at coastreporter.net or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Our Twitter handle is coast underscore reporter. We're also on Facebook. Our print edition is on the streets now, and we've got fresh news online throughout the week. I'm Sean Eckford. For editor John Gleason, reporter Sophie Woodruff, and the rest of the team here at the Coast Reporter, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.